0: Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com.
1: is here,
2: filling this place, and that's what we're going to sing about as we start this morning.
1: There is a light that burns in the darkness. There is a hope that washes the fear away. There is a peace that settles around us. It is your love that sets our hearts ablaze. Father, we're on our knees with every heart. Be we, bring you this offering. Lord, come and fill this place. There is a king that reigns in victory. There is a mercy strong enough to save We feel it rising up from
2: Thank you for worshiping the Lord and asking him to fill this place. Yeah, go ahead and have a seat. So great to see you here. I can't do two things at once. It looks like with a phone (laughs) and that in my hands. But thank you so much for being here and worshiping with us today. And a special thank you to moms for spending your day here with us at Peckway Church. And, uh, you know, we count it an honor to reflect along with you um, on the women that God has placed in our lives, whether that's our moms or some other ladies in your life that have uh, helped to nurture and to raise you and, and myself up to be the men and women that, uh, that God has called us to be. And, uh, you know, I'm reminded of a verse this morning that talks about love, and of course this is talking about God's love, but in many ways um, our moms or other influential women in our life um, have you know, been an example of this, and this comes from First Corinthians thirteen seven, and it says, "Love never gives up; it never loses faith; it's always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance." And uh, so, today we're celebrating moms and God's love, and uh, and so as a way of doing that, we're going to give away. Uh, a couple of gift cards today in this service. So for those who are viewing online or you're in person um, during this service and this week, we'll be sending out those cards. But it's going to be a restaurant card or something along that line. And look, if you want to bring mom out again, that's a great way to do it. Or celebrate with your family or if it's just you and yourself, you can use that as well. But bless someone, bless your family as a result of that. And I would love to be able to give everybody here a gift card. Obviously, I can't do that, but we are going to do the two. And so here's how... uh, You can be a part of that. There's three ways that you can enter into this gift card giveaway. So the first is if this is your very first time with this, all you have to do is simply take out your phone and uh, text the word hello to 717-872-5679. You see it there on the screen this morning, but that's the first way you can do that. Uh, you can also do it here in person. Inside of your bulletin is a gray connection card. Simply take that card out, fill it out anytime during today's service, and there's a wooden box at the back of the room that you can drop that card in uh, as you exit. And then lastly, online, you're going to find a connect link in the chat window. Click on that link and follow the prompts there to fill out the card digitally. And dot uh, So at Peckway Church, we love family. We love celebrating family, and we do our very best to help equip families as they face the challenges and joy that life can bring. And so starting today, we're going to be kicking off a brand new sermon series, and I want to invite you to come back over these next several weeks, um, because we're going to be looking in depth at God's wisdom and in his instruction manual, and that's the Bible, and we're going to see how we can have, uh, how we can be influenced by that, how we can learn from God to be the most successful at living a fulfilled and purposeful family life. Now this morning, I think there's no better way that we can celebrate the joy of family and the love of God than dedicating children to the Lord. So at this time, I'm going to invite our Kids Director, Missy Eschbach, to the platform.
3: As Scott said, today we get to celebrate child dedication with three families. So, families that are participating. Mom and Dad, would you join me on the stage with the child that you're going to be dedicating this morning? As they come, I just want to explain to you a little bit more about my passion for child dedication. Sometimes we think of child dedication as that time where we put a special blessing on a baby or a young child. For us here at Peckway Church, child dedication is more about the parents and the covenant that they have chosen to make with God. Because we have learned over and over, and especially during COVID, how important it is for mom and dad to lead faith journeys at home rather than just in the church, right? So this morning, I am pleased to introduce, we've got Abe and Adriana, who are going to be dedicating little Aslan. She does not want to show her face. And then we have, (laughs) she's watching the screen, that's what it is. We have Keith and Kristen, who are dedicating Chandler. All right, and then over here, lastly we have Lou and Raina, dedicating Ariana. So we're so excited to celebrate with each of you this morning. These parents are choosing to commit to raise their children in a home and in a church that teaches about Jesus. They want them to choose to live their lives for him, just like they do. And they're promising to raise them, raise their children to know Jesus. As as Moses spoke to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 6, he gave a challenge to the parents It's clear that parents are in the best possible position to raise children to know and love the Lord and to live for him. Parents, I challenge you using the words from Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children... Talk about them at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Basically, let your relationship with Jesus be evident to your children and to all of those around you. Parents, God has been gracious by placing these children... In your care, do you now present them to God in dedication? Do you promise to raise them with Christ like values, teaching them in love and to love God and to involve them in the life of the church? If so, answer we do. we do. We do. Will you work to provide them a Christian home? Will you teach them to be like Jesus and encourage them to embrace a faith in Jesus while living out your own faith? as an example to them and if so answer with God's help we will
1: will.
3: Abe and Adriana Keith and Kristen Lou and Raina have committed to raise their children to know God and to follow him hoping that one day they'll make that decision for themselves to live for Jesus but parenting's hard stuff And we each need others to come around us, around us and support us. So families, there are several of you that came out today to support these three families that are standing here. You have the best possible privilege, actually, to speak into their lives, to come around them, to be that extended family and community. Church. We, too, have that privilege and that obligation to come alongside and encourage them as they seek to raise their children to follow Jesus. We get to do that through praying for them, giving financially, maybe helping in the nursery, kids' ministry, teaching a small group, or just coming alongside of them when they need some encouragement. Maybe babysit so they can get out and tend to their marriage by having some time alone. Super important stuff. If you are here today and you're willing to invest in the lives of these parents and their children that they're dedicating today, would you just say, I will? Thank you. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, God, thank you for these children and their parents. We join Abe and Adriana in asking that Aslan grows up to be confident and that she'll choose to put her faith in you. We pray that she will have the ability to defend her faith and not be swayed by the individuals or the culture around her. We pray for her success in life, but that she will see you in every task. We pray that you are the cornerstone in all of her relationships in life. Lord, we join Keith and Kristen in just thanking you for placing Chandler in their life and their family. And we ask that your Holy Spirit will lead, guide, and counsel him. Would you help him to grow in wisdom and stature, grace and knowledge, in compassion, kindness, and love? Watch over him each day and keep him safe. Help Keith and Kristen to be examples to Chandler and teach him of your word. Lord, we pray Chandler grows to love you with his whole heart. And God, we join Lou and Raina in praying that you continue to grow grow each of them in their spiritual journey with you so that they are strong in their faith and can guide Ariana to develop a strong relationship of her own with you. We pray that she stays true to her faith as she grows and learns to rely on you. Lord, would you help each of these parents to seek wisdom from you and from those in their circle and continue to widen their circle so that they can keep growing and leading their children to grow in you. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Thank you guys so much for allowing us to celebrate this important milestone in your life and your child's life. If you want to go ahead and have a seat, that would be great. Church, thank you so much for allowing us to share this with you. I hope that you'll use that celebration insert that's in your bulletin today Just tuck it away somewhere where you can remember to pray for these parents and for these little ones that were just dedicated this morning. So important that we partner with these parents. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Missy. I'm going to invite you guys to stand once again as we continue worshiping. Uh, We are praising the Lord today. And his name is, one of his names is Yahweh. We're going to sing about that in a few moments, but these are all praise songs this morning that exalt his name. When we say his name, nothing can stand against him. He's all powerful. Let's worship him. that same thought in mind but I encourage you just sing along if it's new to you these songs just read the words let the lord speak to your heart this morning let him wash those things over you today let's continue
1: at your name the mountains shake and crumb At your name, the oceans roar and tumble. At your name, angels will bow, the earth will rejoice, your people cry out.
2: continue worshiping him together as we pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the name of Jesus. Your word tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that you are Lord. And Lord, today, I recognize that we're all at different places in our journey today. And, uh, so, Lord, wherever we might be, Father, would you, I know you're already here. Father, we, we asked you to fill this place. Um, God, we know your presence is always with us. So we're so thankful for that today. But, Lord, I know that you've been here walking in this place, Father. Um, Lord, stirring hearts. Father, as we come to this time together to open your word, Father, to see uh, what uh, you have to say about family, God, how we can uh, have peace in our families that's so often hard to find, maybe, and uh, Lord, or just having those moments of celebration, whatever it is, God, we um, we pray today that as we look at that, Lord, you would you would stir our hearts, God, see how we can. Uh, if it's not our immediate family, maybe our kids are grown, they're out of the house, but just even the influence we have on our, our uh, kids, on their kids, on our friends, all those relationships, Father. Today, I also want to pray a special prayer for moms. God, we thank you for those women in our lives who, um, whether it's our biological mom or another lady in our life who has been an example and showed us love and how, um, God, it that love, Father, uh, that comes, we know, from you. And, Lord, or maybe moms have already gone on into eternity. Wherever we find ourselves today, God, we thank you for the legacy that they've left. We thank you for the legacy they're leaving, Father. We pray over them today and thank you for them. Uh, So, Lord, now we pray that you would have your will and your way in this place. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be
4: seated. And as you settle in, let me just join with Scott in not only saying to mothers, grandmothers, and perhaps even great-grandmothers, uh, happy Mother's Day, but also to say to those of you who allowed us to be a part of this important moment in your life, these child dedications, thank you so much for letting us be a part of it. Family members who came, thank you for joining the the family members to mark this moment. It's a crucial moment. And finally, Missy, thank you for what you did to make it truly not just simply a, a, me- a meaningful moment, but a spiritual moment to really help us point. And in fact, I'm going to take you back to some of the scriptures that Missy shared with you in just a little bit. But right now, I just want to just kind of get into this morning's message by just making, for lack of a better word, a, a kind of a confession to you. And here's a confession, that when Larry and I, many, many years ago, started talking about having a family, I thought to myself, I thought. How hard could it be, right? We just have to love these kids. And, and, and I have to confess to you folks, after raising three kids, uh, they're now all adults, the youngest is 21, I have to confess, I, I was terribly mistaken. And, and I mean that sincerely, because in the process of raising three children, the oldest will soon be 29, I was five at the time when, when we had him, in case you're doing the math. <laughs> but folks, what I learned is not only to take love, it takes massive amounts, doses of wisdom. And I share that because, to be honest with you, I'm a bit embarrassed by the fact that that didn't dawn on me. I mean, at the time, I'd literally held an undergraduate and graduate degree in the Bible, in theology. And the reality is, God had instructed the wisest man who ever lived, a man by the name of Solomon, to write this. Take a look at there on your outline. Here's what Solomon wrote about families. He says, it takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. Here's my point, folks. Building a strong family definitely needs love. But it also requires wisdom. It requires wise actions and wise decisions by wise parents. Now, the good news for you and for me is the fact that we can develop wisdom in our lives. And that's good news because here's what we need to understand moving into this message, folks. Strong families, healthy families, encouraging families don't happen by accident. They have to be developed intentionally. So today, on Mother's Day, as we kick off this series, Doing Family, I want to take the next 20 minutes or so and talk to you about what it looks like, what we need to do if we're going to build a strong family. And having said that, let me be clear. I said a strong family, not a perfect family, okay? Perfect families don't exist. Perfect families are a fallacy. But folks, it is attainable for you and I to build a strong family, And a healthy family so what I want to do today is I want to invite you let's jump in and let's look at what it takes to build that strong family that Solomon talked about here's the first thing the first thing is you and I have to make a commitment to preparing our kids for life we have to make a commitment to prepare our kids for life because here's God's intention we're gonna see it in his word God intends for the home the family to be the place where our kids develop the basic skills in life. Things like, for example, how to walk, how to talk, how to clothe themselves, how to feed themselves, how to relate to others, and certainly how to have a relationship with God. Bottom line, God intends for the family, your family and mine, to be that place where our kids get the skills for life. Now, I want you to notice how Luke talks about this in the life of Jesus. Here's what he writes in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. He says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and with men. In other words, what Luke is communicating there is Jesus' earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, did four things to encourage and to actually have him develop into the man that he was. And they're the same four things God wants us to do for our children or our grandchildren, if you're now in that stage of life like Larry and I are, being grandparents. So let me just give them to you real quick. You probably picked them out, but the first thing Luke tells us is Jesus grew in wisdom. And that, in other words, is intellectual growth. He he grew intellectually. They cultivated his intellect. Second, he tells us Jesus grew in stature. And, of course, that's physical development. He grew and developed physically. Third, he says Jesus grew in favor with God, which is a very interesting thing. I'd love to spend time there. But that's spiritual growth. And finally, Luke tells us that Jesus grew in favor with men. And that's social, or if you will, relational growth. Now, here's the reason I took time to walk you through that. Those responsibilities, those primary responsibilities of preparing a child in those four ways, fall upon you and me as parents. And God makes that clear. I want to take you now back to the passage that Missy talked about and read for us a little bit earlier Deuteronomy chapter 6. Take a look from the Living Bible how it reads. It says, You must teach these commandments to your children and talk about them when you're at home or out on a walk or at bedtime. And first thing in the morning in other words what we need to understand in fact I want to encourage you underline that phrase that says you must teach these commandments to your children and the reason I want you to underline that is because in that context when you go back and read it look at in the Bible God is not speaking to the civic or religious leaders of Israel he's talking to moms and dads he's talking to the parents of Israel and here's why Because it is parents' primary responsibility to develop and prepare our children for life. Anyone else, anything else, is a far distant second. God is making it clear in Deuteronomy that he says, moms and dads, I'm making you responsible for the spiritual development of your children. Now, as we talk about that, I want to give you three things as we prepare our children for life that you and I need to focus on, that we need to be especially concerned about. And here's the first one, and that's teaching them relational skills, we need to teach them relational skills, and the reason why, folks, and you know it and I know it, that our happiness is largely determined by our relationships, right? And so here, let's just net it out, in other words, if our kids learn from us and we develop in them how to relate to others in a healthy way, in a constructive way, then we can fairly safely assume that they will go and enjoy life to a large degree. Conversely, If our kids do not learn from us how to relate to others, if they don't really know how to work in a healthy way with one another, then we could also assume that probably they're going to spend most of their life being fairly unhappy, perhaps even miserable in some of their relationships, maybe even in marriage. But here's the point, folks. The primary place where our kids learn to relate to one another and to other people is home from you and me. And so, parents, it's absolutely essential that we not only teach, but we model relational skills for our children. For example, things like this, and I, and I know you'll agree with me. Folks, we have to model for our kids and our grandkids. The good relationships just don't happen. They're not, they're not just lucky things. They, they take intentional, hard work. And they're built on things, and we need to teach them, like, like honesty, commitment, and communication. We need to teach our kids, we need a model for our kids that good relationships, healthy relations, whether it's marriage or a parent-child, folks, takes massive doses of forgiveness because the reality is, in relationships, we will be hurt and we will hurt others, many times unintentionally, sometimes intentionally, but the reality is, folks, you cannot bring two people from opposite backgrounds in life together and not have any friction. It's just the reality, it's just the nature of the beast, and so we need to teach our children these relational skills of giving forgiveness, of being able to communicate, to be able to forgive. Well, there's a second area that we need to focus on, and that's character. We need to teach our children character. And, and, and if you want a working definition of character, here's what it is. It is the sum total of our children's habits and choices. That That's character. It's the sum total of our choices and our habits. So, for example, if you and I want to develop and help our children develop good character, then we need to be about the process of helping our children develop good habits and to make good choices. If we do, we can almost count on the fact that they will develop good character. Conversely, if we don't teach them how to make good choices, if we don't teach them how to develop good habits in their life, we can almost guarantee they're going to develop less than good character, perhaps even bad character. And it doesn't matter what we think we've taught them, we don't care really what it matters what we've said, if we don't cultivate those choices, we don't cultivate the habits the character will not follow. It's a cause and effect relationship. Let me give you the third area that you and I need to focus on as parents in, in terms of preparing our children for life, and that is the area of values. We need to teach them values. And here quite honestly, again at this stage in my life, here's probably one of the most unsettling realizations that I've had as a parent, both early on and now, folks, that our kids or our grandkids in my life are constantly picking up values from us, whether we intend to teach them or not, because they're watching us. And so just by watching us, our children are learning from us values about money and about managing time and about marriage, and about communication, and about relationships, and yes, even about God. Whether we intend to or not, folks, we are teaching our children values. And here's the thing that's really unsettling. One day, as we look in God's Word, what we can know for sure as parents, that one day we're going to give an account to God to, about our parenting. We're going to give an account to God about whether we cared enough to say to our children, to model for our children, this is right and this is wrong. This is beneficial and this isn't beneficial. This is constructive, this is destructive. Because folks, by doing that, what we are doing is we're guiding their character development. We're shaping their values. And so let me just make this practical for you this morning. I want to encourage all of us personally to ask ourselves internally. We don't answer out loud, but just ask yourself. So what am I teaching my children about time? What am I teaching my children about money, about relationships, about God? And then after you answer that question, I want to encourage you to answer this one, which is, I think, in many ways, unsettling, and that is, and what am I unintentionally teaching my children by my lifestyle? I'm not intentionally trying to teach it, but the reality is I'm teaching it. And then after you answer those two questions, and I encourage you to take some time to do that, then after you answer those questions, I want to encourage you to make a list of values you think are absolutely essential that your children get. That they engender they develop in their life and then you set about as deuteronomy says teaching them to your children when you get up and when you go to bed when you're at home and when you're out in other words continually repeatedly because here's why folks their values their character their relationships are too important to leave to chance and so we need to be intentional about it. let me give you the second thing we need to do if we're going to develop a strong family and that is, we need to protect our kids in life storms. And please hear me, please notice on the screen or hear me again. it's protect our kids in life storms, not from life storms. Because protecting our ki- chi- children and our kids in the storms is doable. Protecting our children from life storms is not doable. There's so many storms that come into your life and mind that we cannot prevent. We cannot stop, but we can protect them in life storms. Again, another true confession, that's what these parenting series do to me. When our oldest, Bryce, who, as I said, is now soon to be in August 29, when he was born, I can still remember the day that the doctors placed me in his arms, and I sat there looking out the window, holding this little guy in my arms, and I began to pray, asking God to protect him from this whole laundry list of things in life. Any of you do that as well? Probably all of us. And I just started praying, and I spent a long time praying. I think Clara thought I fell, you know, fell asleep, but I'm just praying. But then we took the little guy home, and I began to realize very quickly that there were a lot of things in life that I could never protect him from. The things were going to happen that I could not control, but I did realize this, because I had learned now, I ignored Solomon before. I had learned at least by this point that I needed to pay attention, and I realized while I couldn't protect him from many, many things in life, I could still make our home a refuge in the storms. And I got that from this verse. Take a look at what it says. It said, Solomon writes, reverence for the Lord gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. And so looking at that verse, as I realized to to my own frustration at times that I couldn't protect this little guy from everything, and I really wanted to, but I did realize that my job as a Christian father was to make sure that our home was a safe and secure place, a refuge for my little man. And folks, there are many, many, if you're a parent and you know this, if you're a grandparent, you really know this, but there are many, many storms in life that are going to come in our children's life, and our grandchildren's life. But I want to I would just highlight three of them that I think are almost unavoidable, that every one of our children are going to experience. And here's the first one. The first storm that I want to talk to you about is change. Change. Because the reality is, I, I think we could absolutely agree 100% in the room today or online that every one of us experience and change. And when we experience enough of it, whether it's positive or negative or a mix of the both, if there's enough of it going on in our lives, it produces stress, right? It produces anxiety. And so that's why, again, as families, and especially parent-child folks, we need places in our lives that are stable and predictable. And I believe our homes should be one of those places for our children and for our family. Let me give you a second kind of storm that our kids will experience. Yours will, as mine have, and you're not going to like it, but that's failure. <laughs> Folks, I don't care how bright your children are. I don't care how gifted your children are. I don't care how relationally intuitive they are. And if you're a parent, and especially a grandparent, you absolutely think they top the charts on all of those. And I wouldn't disagree with you. But folks, however gifted, uh, uh, intellectually uh, talented they are or intuitive, I'm going to promise you they are going to experience failure in their life. It may be academically. I promise you I have a wonderful, gifted young daughter who has struggled on some tests, and she felt like a failure. Others of you, I've got my, my sons, my oldest especially, was athletic, and yet as gifted as he was, he still missed a few passes, <laughs> dropped a few bowls, missed a few goals. And for some of you, and this would probably be my, my middle son, but the reality is you've got children that are highly relational, intelligent, relationally attractive, and yet I'm going to promise you, if they live long enough, probably in at least their, their late teens, they are going to have their affections not returned. And they're going to feel like they failed at love. Or at least if they, even if it's just puppy love. But here's what I want to encourage you from my stage in life, folks. Your children can not only survive those things, they can thrive in those things. If you as a parent, if I as a parent, a grandparent, will be there encouraging them, supporting them, and loving them. They can truly survive. Because take a look at what Solomon said. He said two are better than one. And if one of them falls down, the other, another can help him up. But if someone is all alone and falls, it's just too bad. Because there's no one there to help him." So here's what I am suggest to you. If we are parents who want to build strong families, then we will consistently be there for our children in times of failure to pick them up, to encourage them, to love them, even when they feel like they're a complete failure. That's what caring, loving, strong families do. Third kind of storm, and again, your kids are going to experience it, is rejection. Rejection, because the reality is every one of us in here, I guarantee you, can tell stories of times where we felt ostracized and minimized and marginalized. In fact, let me, let me just prove it to you. Don't shout it out. But I bet you if I gave each of you a mic, you could go back to some time on the playground as a kid... <laughs> when someone made you feel awful about yourself. And how do I know that? Because I know this about kids. We are ruthless at that age. You know, when we're preschoolers and maybe even junior high students, we are ruthless about zeroing in on something that we perceive as a weakness in another person's life, and we are bound and determined to point it out as if they weren't aware of it already, right? You know, I mean, we've all been there. And and so if I would pass a mic around today, I guarantee you some of us could tell stories decades old in vivid detail about an experience that happened on the playground. Let me give you an example from my family's life. Our middle son, Miles, I remember when he came home, I think he was in kindergarten, the latest, it was first grade. But I remember him telling us, I can remember standing in the foyer and this little guy, brokenhearted, telling us that his, one of his best friends stopped wearing his glasses at school because the big kids, third and fourth graders, big kids, were making fun of him. And again, I'll just be transparent with you. Confession's good for the soul. It, it, it did two things to me. First, it broke my heart. I think if you're a parent or grandparents, you get that. The second thing it did is it riled up my daddy bear, <laughs> right? Because I see, I, I realized this. I realized that little guy had no control of the fact he was born with a lazy eye. But I also knew that little boy wouldn't process it that way. All he did was he heard what the big boys had to say to him, and he thought just like we all do when we're little. Well, if they're saying about me, it must be true. And the little boy was devastated and terribly impacted. And folks, that's why you and I as parents must, must make sure our homes are refuges. And we do that by providing positive input on our kids' life to counteract all the negative garbage and knocks that they get out in the world, whether it's at school or at the park or somewhere in the neighborhood. Now, we know that. I know you know that. I know that. But let's get honest. Sometimes, Instead of being that place of safety and that place of refuge, our homes can become the very source of the storms. And here's what I mean by that we as parents could become frustrated. We as parents could become short fused and say things and do things that communicate to our children that they're an inconvenience or they're not as important to us as we really know they are. And I say that not to guilt us, but to just raise awareness, folks, because Jesus warned us. He said, a home filled with strife and division destroys itself. Destroys itself. And so, moms and dads, here's what I want us. You wouldn't be here if you don't agree with this. I get that. So please understand, I am one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Okay, I'm not standing up here as an expert. I've, I've made the same mistakes we're talking about. Here's what I want to encourage you to do, folks. In those moments... Please remind yourself that you cannot let the place that Jesus intended to be the place of ultimate security and protection and encouragement in your child's life become a source of rejection and harm and hurt in your child's life. Guard the gate of your mouth. So here's what I want you to ask yourself at this point. Ask yourself for yourself, not for your spouse, not for your kids, not for your grandparents. Is my home a shelter? Is our home a safe place for the kids? Is it a refuge? Are we affirming and encouraging? Or do we give more pokes than strokes in our house? And the reason I ask that, folks, is because to build a strong family, we must, we must, and we can, with God's help, protect our children in the storms. Not from the storms, but in the storms. But that's not all. God's Word also teaches us this third thing, that we need to play with our kids. This is, this is the encouraging part. This is the fun part for me. We need to play with our kids. God wants our homes to be havens of happiness. He wants them to be forms of fun. Now, that does not mean you need to do stand-up comedy at dinner or build an amusement park in the backyard, okay? <clears throat> That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is we simply enjoy our kids. We simply celebrate them. But here's what I know, again, the, this, this is just us talking as friends. Folks, I know we're there. I know we want to have fun with our kids and enjoy our kids. But I also know as Christian parents where we can get tripped up. And here's where we can get tripped up. We can get so focused on wanting to make sure that we get the values right and the character right and the relational skills right that we can unintentionally turn our homes, what seems like, into little mini marine boot camps. And the kids aren't having fun, right? Right? I mean, we're not having fun. Nobody's having fun. And that's why I've given the next three verses of the outline to you to help you remember what I need to remember as a father and a grandfather. Here's the first one. You're going to know these. You're going to agree with them. Here's the first verse. Children are a gift from God. And here's the reason I put that there. You know and I know the gifts are intended to be enjoyed, not endured, right? Yet the reality is, during those three o'clock feedings, during 3 o'clock in the morning where, you don't, where your teenager's at. We can lose sight of that, can't we? And what I mean is in, in that pressure cooker of life, we as parents can forget that children truly are, as we held them on that first day like I did Bryce, are a gift. And we forget to celebrate it. The second verse is this. Celebrate with your whole family. Now, you do not need a group degree in theology or Greek or Hebrew to understand that. In other words, families are to be a place where we have fun. And the reason why is Solomon says this, people ought to enjoy every day of their lives no matter how long they live. Again, from where I sit in life, I know for some of you it's almost hard to believe, but I'm going to tell you, from where I sit in life, folks, parenting relatively is a very short season. And so we need to enjoy our children while we have them. Because I'm going to tell you again, The time is going to pass a lot quicker than you think. And before you know it, they're going to grow up, graduate, and move out. And in that season, folks, here's what we need to understand. Here's what we need to keep in mind in those difficult times when we feel like we're enduring rather than enjoying. Folks, if our home wasn't fun, if our home wasn't a place where we we helped them develop life skills, a place where we kept them safe in storms, then here's what we need to understand. If it wasn't that for them at home, then why do you think they'll come back home frequently when they've left? They really feel like they have no reason. It wasn't a safe place. It wasn't a fun place. It wasn't a place where they felt like mom and dad were really investing in me, and so we shouldn't be surprised if after they're gone, they don't come back too often. So again, mom and dad, application time. Ask yourself, for yourself, am I enjoying my kids or just enduring them? Are you planning fun times for your kids? Now, having said that, I want to help some of us, especially you young families. Don't fall in the trap to thinking planning fun times with your kids takes a lot of money. And let me just illustrate that. Indulge me a grandpa story. Moms, can can I do that on Mother's Day? Back in November, some of you know, we as a family, all the kids, our two grandkids, went down to the happiest place on earth. They should have labeled it the most expensive place on earth. (laughs) But we went down there. And Declan, our oldest grandson of the time, was just about ready to turn two. Finley, our, our, our youngest grandchild, was only about three months, so she was happy just having food in a quiet place. But here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I observed. And, and I haven't even said this to my kids, but I've said it to Lara, and I absolutely believe it. I watched, I observed. And Declan had an okay time at this happiest place on earth. A lot of times, quite honestly, he was miserable. He wanted to go and run, and he couldn't. The happiest I saw that little man, and quite honestly, the happiest and most stress-free I saw mom and dad, was back at the hotel in a splash pool, and then playing on a playground with other little kids. It didn't take thousands of dollars. It didn't take hundreds of dollars. I mean, it wasn't even close. That little man was ecstatic, just being in the pond, being with mommy, being with daddy, having fun with them, having their attention, experiencing their love. Folks, you don't have to spend a lot of money to plan fun times for the kids. And, and I thought about that when I watched that, and I think about one of the boys in my favorite, this was before Callie, our youngest, was born. The boys and I, one night, our family tradition was Friday nights. We'd rent a video, a dollar, and then we'd make popcorn. <laughs> we'd call it Family Night, and, and we observed it religiously, but every Friday night we would go get a video, and and this night the boys picked the dumbest movie on the face of the earth. It was called Baby Days Out, and we were desperate because we had watched everything else in the video store, but I want to tell you, you know, Lara, we were down in the basement, Lara went off to bed, and those boys and I just got cackling so loud that Lara couldn't sleep, and of course, being boys, we just kept rewinding it and laughing, rewinding it. I own it today. I mean, the boys and I will watch it when we're home next week, Folks, that costs us a dollar and a bowl of popcorn. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Don't fall into that trap. So ask yourself, am I planning fun time or am I staying so busy that I don't have time for fun with the kids? Ask yourself. Here's the fourth thing, folks. i got to keep moving. fourth thing that you and I must do to build a strong family is we must point our kids to Jesus. Missy talked about that. That's what dedication is about, and she's absolutely right. She's absolutely right. Child dedication, first and foremost, is about mom and dad dedication. It's about I'm committing to put myself individually and as a couple in a place where God can and will work through our lives because, make no mistake about it, God cares more about your children knowing Him and going to heaven and living a fulfilling life than we do, even as parents. But we have to cooperate. And so listen to me, folks. If you do these other four and leave three and leave this one off, I think in God's eye, and I know this is pointed, folks, but I really think God says, failure. You missed it. You didn't complete the responsibility. And I say that, but look, take a look at what Paul writes. He says, fathers, bring up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord. And again, I think it seems self-evident, but I dare not make the assumption. But folks, Paul obviously He says fathers, but this equally applies to moms and dads. Because again, go back to Deuteronomy 6. God himself is speaking, and he clearly made moms and dads equally responsible for the spiritual training of their children. It's a team effort. Now, as we think about the spiritual development and training of our children, one of the mistakes I think we make, and it's made in love... And sometimes it's absolutely appropriate, but many times as parents, we can think, you know what, I need to hide from my kids the struggles that we're going through as a family or as a couple or as an individual because, and we mean it sincerely, we think we're protecting our kids. And folks, there are times where that's absolutely right, especially when our kids are young. But I want to suggest to you as your kids grow and mature in age-appropriate ways, I want to encourage you to begin to share your struggles with them. Because here's what happens when you do that. You then give yourself the opportunity and God the opportunity to begin to model how to face a struggle, how to face a difficulty, how to face a hardship in the grace and the power and with the help of God. For example, what's a better way to teach your children to trust God and God will care for them in the midst of a financial struggle than in the midst of a financial struggle you look them in the eye and say, Honey, buddy, it's tough right now. Things are tight. But we serve a God who says he will meet our every need. So he's going to see us through. Or when you're going through a loss, whether it's a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, and you, and you look at your child in the eye and say, honey, it, it hurts right now. It's hard right now but we have a God who says he is close to the brokenhearted. He comforts those who are crushed. In spirit, we're gonna be okay. The point is this, folks, our kids learn to trust God to be people of faith by watching us trust God and be people of faith. And so if they don't see us doing it, Why, logically, do we assume somewhere over the rainbow, sometime, somewhere, they'll begin to do it for themselves? We need to model it for them. That's why moms and dads, grandpa and grandma, it it, it is good, and I applaud you if you talk to, to your children about God and bring them to church, absolutely, but it's not enough. Ultimately, you need to be pointing them to God, pointing them to Jesus with your own life. Because nobody, nobody is in a better position to establish a spiritual foundation for the lives than you, mom and dad. Not Sunday school, not children's ministry, not a pastor, moms and dads. So again, ask yourself this question. Am I pointing my children to Jesus? Am I pointing my grandchildren to Jesus? Ask yourself. Am I modeling for them what it means to be 100% committed and sold out to being a follower of Jesus? Or am I modeling for them that a job, making money, homes, hobbies, vehicles, vacations are what really matter in life? Not that those things are bad, but folks, those aren't the things that matter in life. So let's end where we begin. Strong families are no accident. They're built intentionally, and they're built by wise parents doing wise things, and that all starts with a commitment, and let me lay out for you the commitment. More than 3,000 years ago, a man by the name of Joshua stood in front of an entire nation, and he said these words to them. I love them. He says, choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now listen, make no mistake about it. When Joshua said that, he wasn't trying to impress anyone. Nor was he hoping to somehow get nominated for Father of the Year. Joshua said that because he was simply saying, I want you to know, folks, I'm committed to doing the right thing by my family, and I believe that is leading them to serve God. And if you and I want to build a strong family, and with God's help we can, that isn't an aspiration, that could be a reality, then we need to make the same commitment. We need to make the same commitment. Because listen, when you and I are carrying out those responsibilities as a parent, we're not just influencing our kids. We're influencing our grandkids and our great-grandkids and our great-grandkids. We are influencing an entire generations of people because parenting has long-term eternal consequences. And so we need to ask ourselves today, the question I'd encourage you to ask yourself today as you leave in mint reflect on today is simply this. What am I doing with that responsibility? What am I doing with that gift that God gave me in the form of my son, my daughter, my children? Let's bow for prayer. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed. Can, can I just ask you as parents and grandparents, To answer for yourself this next few questions in your own heart and i mean these purely as a point of reflection folks as i said i i don't in any way assume that i arrived i can tell you horror stories at moments about my parenting but with that said Would you ask yourself right now, what would my kids say is the most important thing in my life from watching how I spend my time and my money? Would you ask yourself, are my kids, my son, my daughter learning to develop character by watching my life? To make wise decisions based on values? Are they learning relational skills like honesty and commitment and forgiveness? And then ask yourself, what what would my daughter say? What would my son say? What would my grandkids say about whether or not my home is a place of protection in the storms of life? Would they say your family's fun or would they say that you're so busy making a living, as important as that is, that you don't seem to be able to have time to make a life with them to have any fun? Folks, I ask that because again, I want to remind you, we only have our kids for a very short season in our life. So we need to enjoy them. We need to celebrate them while they're with us. Are you praying for each of your kids by name every day? Are you asking God to help you point them to Jesus? Not just know about Jesus intellectually, but to know him relationally. Right now, I'm just going to lead us in a I would call a parent's prayer and I'm going to invite every parent and every grandparent here and online to pray it with me you don't have to say it out loud just say it in your heart but would you say something like this put it in your own words but would you say God I realize oh I realize my kids my grandkids are a gift from you So help me to prepare them for life by teaching them about relationships and about character and about values. But more than that, Lord, help me model those things for them. Then would you say, Lord, help me protect them in the storms of life and help me to make time for fun, to truly enjoy them and let them know that I truly enjoy them. But most of all, Lord, would you help me point them to you so they could come to know you in a personal way? I'll give you just a moment as a parent, just to say that as a grandparent. Just say that to God. And as you do, let me just say, I know there's some of us here today that aren't parents, that aren't grandparents. We don't have kids or grandkids in our lives. And so I invite you to pray like this. Would you say, God, I realize I painfully realize that there are so many kids in this world, in this community, in my neighborhood that are living without the love and the care and the encouragement of a mom or a dad, a grandpa or grandma. And so I'm offering you to, myself to stand in the gap, to help any and every child you bring into my life. I'm willing to nurture them, I'm willing to care for them, I'm willing to to protect them to the best of my ability for Jesus' sake. Heavenly Father, I pray for every family here today, whether it's online or here in the building. And I also pray for every parent, especially the mothers today. Thank you so much for the difference they make in our lives. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be a follower of yours if it wasn't for my mother. And so I pray right now for all of us, individually and corporately, that you would give us the wisdom we need, the patience we need, and the love that we need to build strong families. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.
0: Home was a small town called Perkinsville, Vermont. I was a troubled kid inside. I hit a lot of things. I didn't have a lot of people to open up to. I was always somebody that everybody loved and everybody liked, and I was a popular kid in school and um, dated beautiful girls. And I was, you know, on the outside, it all looked good. I captained the football team, all those things. But on the inside, I was a giant wreck. Uh, My father and I had a tough relationship, and and he just, and only in the sense that he just had a hard time relaying love, I think. And um, so I had a hard time receiving that. And I would take those things and internalize them. So at a young age, 18, 19 years old, I I had found out about cocaine. So I went on a giant 15 year using bend. I didn't grow up in church. My family, we went to church for funerals and weddings. Uh, I learned to play guitar in college, and that was kind of became an outlet for me. I moved down here in the fall of 2018 and uh, for country music, and I was drinking heavily, out of control, uh, drinking and driving a lot, um, still using, um, still taking advantage of women, and just it, it all just led up to so many different things. And um, I had a family, believe it or not, God had sent a family from Vermont a year and a half ahead of me to be down here to earn my trust, to then invite me to church in the fall, winter of 2019. And I walked in to Church of the City in Franklin, Tennessee here. I'll never forget Chris McClarney, John Reddick were leading worship. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. And I just I had all I could do to not fall on my knees. I have a song called Other Plans. Um, which isn't released yet, but I hope to. And and it talks about my brush with suicide when I was 16 years old. And um, I I'd been in some of those lowest, darkest places. And he allowed me to open up and finally share with everybody about all those things that I'd finally that, that had been burdening me for so many years.
1: Don't. Laying on the ocean floor, it's a
0: new man standing on redemption shore. I've been revived or oh, been restored, and I can't go back no more. No more. I lost my best friend in two thousand seventeen to a heroin overdose, and um it was one of the hardest things to get over and one of the hardest things to cope with. Um to know that it could have been me. Um uh, and and he laid it on my heart that it's my job to tell his story and mine and, and just let people know that, that there is hope, that there's always hope and it's in Jesus. And, and, and I never thought in a million years I would say that out loud.
2: Ben is going to be with us next week. And, uh, I want to, encourage you to take that card that's in your bulletin and share that with someone this week. Um, Ben's story is not just about addiction to drugs and alcohol, but broken family as well, broken relationships. And so I think we've all experienced different things in our lives, but something in his life I think could touch home with any of our lives. And so um, he's going to be sharing his testimony through song. He's going to have um, pretty much most of the service next week, to be able to do that. Um, so, he'll be doing that concert, but uh, more importantly, he'll be sharing his faith, how Jesus took him from, from these things. And so, uh, so yeah, what I want you to walk away with is this is not just about somebody who was addicted to, to those things and thinking, I don't know anybody who's addicted to drugs or alcohol, but again, just that brokenness. And so, we all have that or experience experienced that in our lives. And so, Give that to your friends, your family, neighbors, whoever. Share that with them. This is an easy invite, I think, to be able to do that. Uh, Invite them to come hear music. Um, Yeah, and so, and you know, I forgot to do this the first service, but I want to give us the opportunity. But on your connection card, if you have somebody you want to invite, but you're afraid, um, or whatever the obstacle might stand in your way, if you want to write their name on there, we'll pray along with you this week that God would give you that opportunity, that open door, to be able to just take a step and hand them that card and invite them to come. Um, and yeah, I think it's not an accident that we're doing this family series and that that uh, Ben has the testimony that he has about his relationship with his dad and family and his family life, I think that that fits perfectly with what we're going to be looking at in God's word over these next several weeks. So I do invite you back. I hope to see you again next week. He will be at both services, so 9 or ten thirty, 30, or you could come to both, whichever you'd like. So, but I'd love to see you guys here. So thank you so much for worshiping with us today, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Happy Mother's Day.